Welcome to the Woke Blokes Podcast, hosted by Nick Sutherland from MindFit and Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Let's get into today's episode. So yeah, I've been, I was reading an article that in Thailand, the, uh, I didn't click and read the whole article. I think the article was entitled, How Sex Workers Are Making Money uh, Without the Tourist or the Farang. The Farang is a... Uh, an overseas tourist like a like a gringo would be in in mexico i guess and so uh yeah the sex workers not getting enough work because there's not enough farangs around to uh inquire into their services so yeah i'll have to click on the article and see what they're i, I don't know if i want to know what they're doing <laughs> to, to make ends meet without that going on they're probably bricklaying or gardening or something something beautiful and uh, um, well the massage industry it'd, it'd be a shambles at the moment there'd be no not a lot of uh knock on the cock at the moment they're, they're just opening back up now you can go get them okay. yeah a lot of them have been you know a little bit you know doors are shut and it says closed but if you go knock on the back you'll get in but um there wasn't speaking of articles there was a funny one a couple of weeks ago because i think now they're allowed to open fully but a couple of weeks ago they're allowed to partially open and, and the i think it was for clickbait but the the title was massage parlors opening for below the waist treatments only <laughs> Because you're not meant to be near the face because that's how Corona spreads. So <laughs> it was a very, a very funny title. But it's, you do like it's it's funny that you I'm on the scooter going down down the main road here, and there is a couple of massage places, and now they're open again. All the the um, you know pretty Thai girls are at the front. Hello, and I I love it because I'm just like hello. I don't, I don't go in there, but I just, it's, it feels the ego gets stroked a little bit, even though they're doing it purely because they want money. But I just I still receive it. I still accept it. But then you you go to like a different part of town, and you hear this. Hello. Then I turn around to like wave, and it's it's clearly a lady boy. Like no, 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 no hide it. And I'm like, oh no, I feel kind of weird now. <laughs> oh, what? You, so your ego is sexist, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that the, your ego is not the only thing they're trying to stroke. It's uh, yes, I know. Farang. Yeah, come on in for ring. So yeah, no, it's time. it's uh, it's it's interesting times over here, but um. We're gonna. I, I'm not gonna get out of my comfort zone in that respect, but we are gonna talk about comfort zones in general today. We are. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Woke Blokes podcast. I'm Nick Sutherland from MindFit, and joined as always by Ryan Hassan from the Center for Healing. Oh, I like how you did the intro. I like. I know, right? I just, oh, I just sit back and thought, sit back and enjoy it. You go for it. <laughs> Well, I, I wanted to get out of my comfort zone because you're the one that usually does it. So, yeah, it feel it felt good. I enjoyed that, and it's just us two today. We've had you know been rocking the guests the last few weeks. Yeah, just the the deadly duo. It's, we've got the band back together. So, the band's back um, together, and we do have some guests lined up for the next couple of weeks too. Yes, we do, and I think we're going to get Deb back again as well. There's been lots of great feedback yeah. from having a woke woman, um, and as we, we spoke about, she's she's an untapped resource. That one, so oh, uh, she she's a ripper. She's the ripper. Even like before we pressed record, and even after we stopped recording, she just kept going. She yeah. <laughs> there's, there's so so much there. That was a very fast uh, hour and a half that we were recording for. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, well, I'm we looking forward it. to hearing more from Deb. 
Yes, me too. So, in case the listeners haven't picked up on it, we uh, we are talking about comfort zones today, and we're going to talk about the pros and cons, and what is a comfort zone, um, what's the benefits of staying in it, why do people stay in it, and why do people get out of it, and yeah, just uh, thought we'd have a bit of a philosophical chat about the comfort zone. Cause yeah, and a bit of a deep dive. Yeah, yeah, once upon a time, um, I was what I now class as a comfort slob, so I, I'd love my comfort zone. I didn't want to be challenged. I didn't want to, you know, experience hardship. If you know, that, the, that was back at the time where I had agoraphobia and everything, I couldn't leave my house. So it got me staying in my comfort zone and avoiding all that hurt or all that challenge or whatever you want to call it, all that discomfort. Um, I was protecting myself and. It's funny that, looking back, that 30-year-old version of me that couldn't open the door, I can just picture him with this massive bodyguard with his arms wrapped around him, and that was anxiety, and it's like, no, Nick, we're not going outside today. It's too dangerous. It's too uncomfortable. There's too much out there that could hurt you. I'm going to keep you safe, keep you inside. And a lot of me was going, oh, thank you, bodyguard. That's wonderful. Yeah, protect me. Mm. But... So it was it was good in one way, but it wasn't. It was good in the short term, but not the long term. If that makes sense, it wasn't helping me in a really healthy way. It was helping me in an unhealthy way. It was, it was more enabling, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's that. Um, I was interesting. I was having this conversation this morning, um, with a colleague Matt, and you know we've been doing some courses and everything, and. Uh, talking a lot about our, you know, the nervous system and how we, we go through certain things and, and our nervous system gets so activated and alive that it's just always trying to protect us. And often, and then we're trying to like think about how, if the, if the nervous system had a language, what would it be? And it's like those, I think those big arms around you, or I imagine even, you know, chains, we're kind of wrapped in chains that we're not able to break free from. And it's like this nervous system saying, no, no, stop. Don't go out. Uh, don't see that person. Um, don't apply for that job. Or yeah, in your case, like don't even leave the house. Um, stay don't inside. Go to the letterbox. Don't go to the letterbox because in here safe, safe, safe. Let me try and keep you safe. And it's like but that. What that, it was and, keeping me? Oh, sorry. Okay. No, you go. You go. Well, what it was keeping me safe from was an imagined, yeah, reality, uh, and and it wasn't, you know, uh, basically. Um, long story short, it was I was linked in with Veterans Affairs, Department of Veterans Affairs, and I was trying to get some assistance and support of them. And because I was so unhealed back then, because I was so hypersensitive and easily triggered, um, you know, the ver- the very thought of receiving a letter and saying, no, Nick, we can't help you, is what was crippling me. It was my mind was disabling my body. And I've spoken about this before, that, that life-saving thought that came through that this is so irrational. You're a fully grown man. You cannot use your perfectly working arms and fingers to open a door to leave the house. Like, it's so irrational. And that blinding thought of irrationality, and if you if my mind's capable of this at this end of the spectrum, what's it capable of at the other end of the spectrum if I do some work and retrain it? So, because my mind was so conditioned to bouncing between the past and the future, or they don't exist, so it was bouncing between my memory and my imagination, uh, I was completely unable to stay present and rational and logical and calm and composed and 
yeah, just, okay, open the door, walk out the letterbox, the letter will say, and I'll just manage whatever it says, and I'll, I'll be okay regardless. I couldn't, I couldn't go into that constructive, positive, healthy thinking, because I'd spent so long allowing that anxiety to imprison me. I was like, you know, a padded cell as well. It was, it was safe, comfortable, don't go out there. Yeah, and it kind of reinforces itself because it's like those those arms that were around you and we'll say that was your nervous system saying stay safe, stay yeah. safe, stay safe. Then we kind of think that it is helping us stay safe. So we kind of then thank it. It's like, yeah. oh, yeah, thank you for keeping me safe. But it's like that same thing that's bonding us is fooling us into thinking that's keeping us safe instead of saying, you know, that that's rubbish, let me go outside. We're just saying, oh, thank you. Thank you so much for keeping me safe. And then we listen to it and then we thank it. And we listen to it and we thank it. And then oftentimes, we, and we're going to talk about comfort zone gradually expanding, which is what we want in life because we want to be more comfortable in more situations. But in this case, the, the comfort zone just shrinks, shrinks, shrinks. And for you, it shrunk down to just your house. That was the only place. Mm-hmm. Totally. But interesting, you know, when I finally broke free, did the work over 12 months, went and studied, opened up my own practice, I'd often ask people this question. I'd say, imagine that part of you is anxiety sitting next to you as a person. And I'd watch for their response just to that. And all of a sudden, you know, their eyes would get wider or they'd, they'd tense up a little bit. And I'd say, now, what would you want to say to that person? What would you want to do to that person? And nine times out of ten, the answer was violent. It was, I want to burn it, stab it, blow it up. Someone wanted to, to spear it with a trident. Um, like, it was just... Love, this... love the honesty, by the way. I think that's, I think that's yeah. actually beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, okay. And, and what is it that you'd like to be feeling within yourself in general? And I was a happy... I'm like, okay, so what is the definition of happiness? I don't know. Uh, getting what I want or not having this? <laughs> no, the, the, the definition of happiness is to be content. So if you've got this inner conflict, if, if, you, if part of you loves anxiety because it keeps you safe, but the rest of you hates anxiety because it stops you from going to the movies or, or being able to get on a train, and so much... Uh, I don't want to say I cured, but so much irritable bowel syndrome or IBS was alleviated through helping people on that deeper level uh, and alleviating that anxiety because that IBS was like the arms wrapping around. It was like, don't go to that party. I'm, I'm going sh- to literally make you shit yourself so you can't leave the house and go to that party. Yeah, And yeah, it's I'm- incredible. It's incredible how we operate. It's incredible. I, I know I, from personal experience, I have Crohn's disease, which is a which is a bowel disease, and yeah. I went I went through surgery, I went through medication, I went through that many changes of diet. I did that many fucking diets in my twenties, Nick. Like, you know, it's it's unreal. You know, read every book, made all these changes, and I would barely be able to make any change in the symptoms. And obviously, the medication comes along with side effects. You know, I would I was either a um, a catabolic steroid. They're like, oh, we'll put you on steroids. I'm like, oh, awesome, I'll get jacked. But they're, they're, instead of anabolic steroids, they're, they're, this is my mind, right? 
So, but instead of anabolic steroids, which means help things grow, they're catabolic steroids, which means it helps things waste away. Um, and there's so many side effects with those. It was either those or what I ended up on more was uh, immune suppressants. So Crohn's disease, they classify as an autoimmune disease. So for reasons they don't know, the uh, the immune system starts attacking itself in this in this situation anywhere along Fuck. the stomach and bowel. And so you take medication to lower your immune response because they think, well, that means it'll lower the symptoms. Um, didn't lower the symptoms much. And in the meantime, you keep getting fucking sick all the time because you have a low immune system. <laughs> and so... And so a lot of people with these irritable bowel, Crohn's disease, ulcerative colitis, which all come under kind of the one banner. I mean, the irritable bowel was created as a term because they couldn't quite fit it into the box of uh, Crohn's or ulcerative colitis. And then it wasn't for me until I started dealing with my anxiety and dealing with my relationship to Crohn's disease that things started to change. You know, I um I remember a big moment for me was I was listening to uh, Dr. John D. Martini around that time. Um, I was sort of just getting into you know personal development, self development, and that kind of thing. And he was saying that look, every every single thing that happens in our life is perfectly balanced. It's actually neutral. There's a positive side. There's a negative side. If we are perceiving something as negative, we just we're not suffering from say Crohn's disease or suffering from something that happened to us in our life. We're just suffering from an imbalanced perspective. Okay. Yeah. So he's like, you know, if you've got an imbalanced perspective, start to try and balance it out. Um, start to write down the positives with, if you know, say it's a situation that happened in the past or something like Crohn's disease. So I remember I got on my old computer. This is, um, shit, we must be talking 10 years ago now. Commodore 64. Commodore, it wasn't that long ago, 486. <laughs> Um, and uh, opened up, yeah, like a notepad document or whatever and just wrote at the top. I'm like, the benefits to me having Crohn's disease. And I remember I stared at that fucking page and I'm like, what? Like it's, and it's really hard and, and it's meant to be hard because the whole reason that you've got this imbalanced perspective is because you've subconsciously or consciously blocked out that side. So you're getting out of your comfort zone by sitting there trying to do this. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't want to do it. Because then part of your mind says, Crohn's disease is shit. Why did, why did life give it to me? Or why did God give it to me? You know, it's funny. We don't believe in God, right? Now, I've got... This could be, this could <laughs> so be another... Happened, this, is a, this is another podcast that we could do about God. So I, I was a um, very much a... Uh, did not a non-believer in God, wasn't raised in a Christian or Catholic household, just, yeah, didn't believe in God. But it's funny how when, yeah, things get really bad, we're like, fuck you, God, why did you do this? Or when things get really bad, we're like, God, please help me. <laughs> it's like we go when we are stuck at this extreme. So anyway, I, I started writing out some benefits to having Crohn's disease. And I got like, I think I got two in the first sitting. Yeah, but Dr. Don Martini said, you need like 50 to 100, so keep coming back to it, right? Because this is there's a lot of work required. So, you know, the next day, came back to it, next day, you know, it grew to 10, it grew to 20. And um, I noticed by going through that simple process, and there was stuff I had to do after that, but just by going through that simple process, all of a sudden, my symptoms started going down, going down, going down drastically, because now it changed my relationship. Because by, like, it's what... What's the saying? Whatever we resist persists. So it's like I'm trying to suppress and push away. And I, I hated people talking about it. Like even my, my ex-wife, who was she was so good through that period, but you know sometimes she would bring it up to friends like, oh, we can't go to that thing. And it, it, I always tell her, don't tell her it's because of my Crohn's disease. You know, like I, I really wanted to hide it and keep it hidden away. And the funny thing is when we try and keep it hidden away, it just wants expression and bursting out, like the anxiety we're talking about with, with these other people. 
So when I when I listen to that, I'm hearing through my filter lots of these cognitive distortions and CBT terms. So you you you're thinking it's fair and unfair. Why me? You're, you're blaming. It's jumping to conclusions. Worst case scenario. This is what. But the big one is you're disqualifying the positives. So that's that imbalance I think it's that okay well I'm only focused on the negative I'm, I'm going to create a reality of negativity it's our perception creates our reality so what he got you to do is to consciously shift your perception which then shifts your reality and brings that balance back yeah. into play and that was that back then it was all very new that was like one of my first you know, forays into this personal development. Before then, I wouldn't what is have this known. Personal development, you speak of. What's I wouldn't. Have, per- I, I don't even like that term. But yeah, it's like personal development, spiritual growth, spiritual growth. Um, it's just I, I did before that. I wouldn't have known that I could have a different perspective around a certain situation, because I, I was so I so believed my mind, and I so was my mind. That it's like, let's say, and this is interesting now looking back on reflection. So say so, anything happened, like I, um, something at work happened, then my mind would go, this is unfair or for that reason, that person's a dick, whatever it was. And that was the end of the story. There was no even possibility that I could reframe or start to change how I perceive a certain situation because I thought I was right. And that's what happens when we... When we haven't done much of this work and we um, identify strongly with our mind, we think that we're right about everything. And, and I think that the more that you start to do this work, we realise how much we, we ha- have no idea what's going on <laughs> and so, we'll give so meaning to you, whatever it is. If you're not your mind anymore, you said I was so in my mind, what are you if not your mind? That's a very deep philosophical question. I'm an indwelling being. I'm in here somewhere. So that's and and I. You were just a, you were just observation. I'm just I'm I'm life, like I'm like you. I'm like a dog. I'm like a tree. I'm like the whole planet. I'm probably like the whole universe. I'm just life, just having an experience. Now, then there's this indwelling awareness because it's like, and this is something I get people encouraged to look at. It's like, if I'm aware that I'm thinking, and we're all aware that I'm thinking, for the people that aren't, like you'll speak to them and go, you know that voice that's in your head. And then they're like, I don't have a voice. And I'm like, that voice in your head that's saying, I don't have a voice, that's the voice that we're talking about, right? So we are, we're all aware that we have words and images up in our mind. Well, how are we aware that we have thoughts and images in our mind? An example of this is um, for the listeners to try and interpret this a bit easier. So the other day I walked out of my house and I've got spotlights on the, on the front of my truck. Well, I had spotlights on the front of my truck. And as soon as I saw that, as soon as I came into that stimulus, that the spotlights were no longer there, it's funny how I observed myself observing the stimulus. And so I observed myself go, hmm, that's interesting. Usually there would have been some spotlights there. Hmm, I wonder where they've gone. Oh, likelihood is they've been stolen. All right, well, that's not ideal. And I've, I saw myself go into that constructive thinking I talk about and it was like oh I wonder I wonder what these blokes or women or whoever it was kids I wonder what they must have been experiencing what would what would life be like for them I went to empathy and compassion uh, because I realized there's nothing I can do about it I can't 
I, I can't change the situation. I, and I observe myself going, what can I do? I can get angry and it's not going to bring my spotlights back. Or I can go into an acceptance and not get disturbed and it's not going to bring my spotlights back. So which of those two things am I going to go into? Yeah, let's go into acceptance and I jumped in my truck and drove off. But I also remember observing a part of me held up the Holocaust and thought of Dr. Frank, Dr. Victor Frankl coming out of the Holocaust and everything can be taken from a man but the last of his personal rights to choose how he feels in any given situation. Like this dude has just experienced hell on earth. And then I held up me losing my spotlights next to the Holocaust and it's... it's <laughs> didn't Bit of really perspective. Fit, yeah, kind of put things in perspective. And, and I was like, well, everything can be taken from a man. His spotlights... <laughs> but the last of his personal rights to choose how he feels. And then I, and then I went into a bit of William Wallace. I'm like, you may take my spotlights, but you'll never take my happiness. And it was, it was hilarious. But bringing it back to today's topic, so, so that was the way my mind naturally flowed into that state. And it was really wonderful to sit there and observe that. Um, where in the past I would have gone into such destructive, such toxic, such negative behaviour. So I had to get out of my comfort zone and go and learn how to rewire literally in my mind. I had to go and put months and months and months and years of work into sending, you know, stopping and pausing and catching and, and observing and shifting and changing. And, you know, the, the byproduct of that is that my day wasn't ruined, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. My week wasn't ruined. But and that all that all started though from you is you walked out and there was a stimulus. The mind generates those thoughts itself. The mind is like a an appliance; yeah. it generates thoughts. But then you you said the words, "I observed that." So I observed that, and then I was able to use my personal will to redirect that thinking. Where most people get stuck early on is that there's no observer. There is an observer, but yeah. they're not aware but, of well, the because, so observer. Well, because a metaphor for that is our, our thoughts are like a river or a stream. And most people, and myself and yourself included, uh, spend all of our lives in that stream. Mm. We spend that, our lives in our thoughts. And sometimes the stream will be calm and okay, and other times the, st- the, the stream will turn into a, a, a torrent, a river, you know, raging rapids, and we get swept away in our thoughts. So essentially what I've had to learn to do is to step out of that river and sit on the bank and just look at those thoughts and not get swept away. And, oh, there goes a negative thought. Oh, there goes a destructive thought. Oh, there goes a compassionate thought. It's a great and, analogy. Yeah, and so it's just we're sitting on the bank, just observing them, just understanding we can't stop our thoughts, but we can get out of them and just, you know. Yeah. But once again, th- that takes so much work to do. It's, it takes practice and repeated practice and effort and repeated effort and a lot of people a don't know that you can do that and then b aren't willing to do that work because they just want to stay in their comfort zone it's it's too hard i've got this too hard basket i'm just going to put everything in that too hard basket okay yeah yeah stay in your suffering then stay in your suffering the um yeah, you're describing waking up. This podcast is called Woke Blokes. That that process of stepping out of the river and watching the river is waking up. Just waking up to what's going on up here. We do it with our thoughts and emotions. Yeah. That reminds me, I had one uh, early on, just not long after I got clean. 
And one of the big processes of me getting clean was first understanding, hey, you're not your thoughts and emotions. There's something that you experience, which then gives us the option. We have options then, you know, when we realize like, like we're glued to our thoughts and emotions, they're us, and then we just act unconsciously based on them. And then we, we create a break, which is waking up. So now I kind of start to watch this stuff. And um, I remember I'd been clean only a few weeks and I needed a job. I needed some money. I didn't have much money coming in. So a friend was nice enough to offer. stop stealing drugs. Yes, that's right. Finally, this is where the story kind of goes. I I got a job and doing some work for a mate, cabinet making, just doing some laboring for the week. And so worked for him for the week. Friday comes around, I'm heading off. He uh, gives me an envelope. He's paying me cash uh, for the week. And so I, on the way home in the car, had to stop at Woolies and get some groceries, some stuff for dinner. And I pull over the car. I'm like, I'll open the envelope and it's a water 50s. That's my the pay for the week. So now this, this self-generating mechanism, right? Because all my doing is, my mind is looking at the situation in front of it through the senses and referring back to the whole history of ourselves as a human to try and bring up relevant information for data. What am I about to do with this? Exactly, right? Yeah. So I see a water 50s. The last time I saw a water 50s is when I was dealing and using drugs. That was my whole day was how much money have I got? How much drugs can I buy? And so that's what thought pops up. Now, when we're glued to the thoughts, we don't have any options, right? So then that thought goes to the next thought. Oh, that's right. Then I imagine myself using and then my heart rate starts building up and then I'm like, fuck, where's my phone? Where's the number of that dealer? And this is how most of us operate, not just with drugs, with anything in our life, with anything that we just follow these thought streams and emotions. But when we have that space that we're we're out of the river, then we just see that thought come up. So it is like one going down the river and we're like, oh, look at that. (laughs) How funny is that? That's interesting. Yeah, that's it. It's funny. Like I laughed at it. It's like, oh, that's funny. And so what happens then? All of a sudden, I've got so many options now because I realize I've just seen a file from the past that's come up and I don't judge it because we can't control this shit. Like everyone listening now, don't think of a pink, pink elephant in a fridge. Do not think of a pink elephant in a fridge. You can't fucking do it. So you're not going to so beat I yourself just watched, up. I just watched a pink elephant in a fridge floating yeah. down the river <laughs> and, so, uh, and so we can't, like 98% of thoughts are just self-generated. We don't have the control over them. But then we, then we do have options if we're stepped back. So for me, I laughed at it, went into Woolies, got my dinner and went home. Right? So we, we, we create so much more so that's options that in our life. And, and as Viktor Frankl said, you know, he turns that everything can be taken from a man, quote, and broken down into an equation, basically, between stimulus and response is a space, and in that space lies our power to choose, and in that choice lies our freedom. So you're saying you have options now, you have choice, essentially you have freedom to choose, you have your free will back, you've stepped out of that autopilot, that mindless, just patterning, and you've actually broken that cycle, and you can step out and go, oh, is this... You can make a conscious choice, a more woke choice, and go, is is this a decision I want to make? It's the same as you know, being hungry and tired and going to go home and you start thinking, oh, I've got to cook dinner from scratch. Well, oh, it's going to be hard. You drive past KFC or Macca's and you go, fuck it, I'm just going to pull in here. If that's your patterning, whatever, then you'll just do it automatically. But if you can actually be conscious and present in that moment because you're you're not your thoughts anymore and you've got this observer that's more in play you can actually go oh, yeah like I, I really want to go in there because it's going to be easy but i'm going to take the hard path and go home and have that nutritious meal because i'll feel better the next day and blah 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 so our decision making 
vastly improves our lives, vastly improves our health, mental, physical, nutritional, vastly improve. And I will, I will put a, a caveat on that, is that uh, people with trauma uh, will have trouble with that. I, I know that for me and people that I've worked with to so say, and this is, as I said, this is down the extreme end of the spectrum, but if there's trauma in our system, I used to have the, let's say I had the urge to use drugs and all of a sudden I'm at home, I wasn't going to use drugs and I would have that thought and that urge and I would recognise that and I'd say, no, like you said, you're never going to do this again. And I would, I would sometimes wait half an hour, one hour, sometimes even two hours and just sit with that. But I had so much trauma in my system, my nervous system was that jacked that that urge would just grow and grow and grow and it got to a point where I was basically like, you have to go and get drugs or you're going to kill yourself. And so I, if people are having that kind of experience, then there's trauma in the system that does need to be addressed. And that could be with alcohol or gambling or shopping yep. or anything. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so, all right, back, back to more comfort zone stuff. We well, no, dot- I think that was great because a lot of that speaks of what's on, what's outside the comfort zone when you finally break through it. And I love that expression, a ship is safe in harbour, but that's not what ships are built for. Mm. So imagine the mouth of that harbour is like the edge of our comfort zone. And so many people, metaphorically, are in the ship and they'll sail around in harbour and they'll come to the edge of their comfort zone and then they'll create that too hard basket. Ah, oh, this is the reason why I can't do it. They'll go into that destructive thinking. And they'll turn around and go back into the harbour and, oh, I'm safe, I'm secure, blah, blah, blah. Some people, and mostly people with trauma, will anchor down and they won't even sail around in the harbour. And the ship will just stay still and it'll grow barnacles on it and all the sails and canvas will rot and the ropes will disintegrate and they'll just become very unhealthy. And so what we actually need to do is to experience the waves and the storms and get out there and, and trust that we're going to be okay. It's character building, it's character revealing, it's 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 really where all of our growth lies. We, we Our minds need to meet resistance in order to get stronger. Yep. You know, it's the same as our bodies. If you just walk into a gym and look at a 10 kilo weight and go, no, it looks a bit too heavy. I think I'll just stand here and look at it instead, you know, for an hour. You're not going to walk out of that gym, you know, with, with muscles that are trying to grow. Mm-hmm. So mentally, you know, and it comes back to survival base human instinct we we don't want to experience pain we don't want to experience suffering we don't want to experience discomfort so we're going to avoid it but we don't what we haven't learned i don't think is that we need to lean into it and and override that old basic survival thing because it's not necessary anymore and push ourselves through that comfort zone so get out there yeah it's something um, you've spoken about a lot on the show it's like living within the laws of nature and the laws of nature dictate that we, if we meet resistance, work through resistance, then we do become stronger in that area. We become more resilient. And the, the gym one's a good analogy. It's like we have to go through resistance for these, uh, this physical body or these muscles to get stronger or, or cardiovascular. We go through the resistance of a long run or, or bike ride, but in the process, we get stronger cardiovascular fitness. But imagine, imagine a caterpillar turning into a butterfly it's got no idea what it's going to become it just has to trust its nature but it has to go through a really uncomfortable experience imagine what it would be like like talk about fucking metanoia this this caterpillar you know breaks down and then rebuilds and and comes alive but then all of a sudden it can fly so that discomfort 
literally the mind fit motto is discomfort precedes success because it's so true if you're trying to buy a house you've got to save money and, and sacrifice going out and having fun to to you know get a deposit so there's that discomfort or whether it's running a marathon you know you set that goal you're not going to do it by sitting on the couch you've got to get out and train and push yourself and run 10 15 20 30k so we do need to grasp this concept of embracing discomfort don't go looking for it don't go trying to manifest it don't go picking fights and everything don't try and you know put but when you meet it when you encounter it on your way to your goal then it's really important to land through it and most people have a goal that they'd like to be happy but they don't know what happiness is and they don't know that happiness is a byproduct of doing all these other things mm. so yeah we need to that's where we need to keep finding teachers to help us to to break through and even that even finding teachers uh can be uh uncomfortable there's another saying i think it's uh always before learning comes confusion so it's like if we want to learn something new we have to be confused before we learn it oh, yes. <laughs> because because yeah. and this is something like we but people it's are like always going through the fog yeah people are always just trying to sound smart and like they know everything and so they never want to seem confused. But then, if we don't you, be confused, then we don't learn anything. All, all we're doing, all we're doing, is, is is hearing stuff that we already know, so we can confirm what we know, which just keeps us, you know, in a small comfort zone. What'd you say? Well, when we speak, we're only repeating what we already know. So that's why we mm. need to listen and ask questions. Um, have you got a bit of pen and paper next year? No. Yes. yes. Yes, I do. So listeners, press pause and run and grab a bit of paper and a pen and then come back and press play. All right, welcome back listeners. Um, And pull over if you're driving. Okay, so Ryan, where are you? Earth. Okay, so write that down. No, no, I'll say I'm I'm on Kosamui. Kosamui, write that down. Yep. Where's Kosamui? Uh, it's part of Thailand, but it's on it's on planet Earth. So Thailand, so right, Thailand right. down. Okay. And listeners do this as well. Where are you? Whether you're in Dubbo or Dallas or Dalesford, wherever you want to be. Or, but, you, but but you must be in a place starting with D, otherwise turn off now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you're in Kosamui. Kosamui, uh, which is, which is where, Thailand. Where, where's Thailand? Southeast Asia. All right, SE Asia, write that down. Yep. Where's Southeast Asia? Earth. Okay, write Earth down. Where's Earth? Uh, Earth is in our, in our, the Milky Way galaxy. It's in our solar system in the Milky Way galaxy. Milky Way. And then in the solar system, I think you said. But the solar system for our solar system is part of the Milky Way, yeah. Okay. And then, and then right, our Milky so Way is, I'll just say, in the universe. Okay, so write down the universe. And where's the universe? It's everywhere. Where's the universe? Where is the universe? It's mm. it's it's here and everywhere else. It is here. Mm. So where are you right now, right? I'm here. Mm. Right down here. Here. 
Now count how many steps it took you to get to that answer. Eight. Usually it's eight or nine. Yeah, eight. eight. Most people have uh, Southern Hemisphere in there. Right, okay. So I use this as a tiny little exercise to, to highlight what our minds do and we're going to constantly claw. We don't want to say, I don't know. We don't want to look silly. We don't want to look stupid. We don't want to be seen as being imperfect. So this is what stops people from reaching out and finding a teacher or asking for help. We think we know everything or we think we have to know everything. We really struggle as humans to sit in a space of being ignorant because we think mm. the word ignorance is a real negative word, but it's not. It's just a fact. We are all ignorant and that's okay. Mm. Yeah, we're just ignorant to variant degrees. So when someone comes in the office, I want to I want to see how their minds are working and what's going on. What we're trying to get them from is their mind rushing off into this I have to be perfect and I have to know the answer and I have to be right to sitting in more an acceptance of uh, I don't know and it's such mm. a beautiful space to sit in it's I don't know it's opening <sighs> it's actually opening well, it's relieving it's so relieving there's no pressure think of what the nervous system is doing every time your mind starts clawing for an answer it's yeah. tightening it's tightening it's yeah. tightening so when we can just sit in I don't know Oh, okay. Well, let's learn. Let's let's learn yeah. together. Okay. What, what, it's so much more still. It's so much more yeah. peaceful. So then I ask, what time is it? And people will look at their clocks and they'll say, oh, it's 11.56. And is it? Oh, well, it's 11.56 in 22 seconds. Click. No, it's not. 23 seconds. Click. So they keep chasing hmm. this time to try and be right. Okay. What time is it now? Ah, all right. So there is only the here and now. That's all that exists. And if people can sit in that, this, this, the here and now, there's not the past, there's not the future. You know, I'm not, I don't, I'm not operating this under this. I have to to chase this time. To I'm not under this time constraint and this restriction of time. It frees us up. It frees that uh, that you know. Um, all our nervous system up just to relax and to just to soften and to quieten and to calm and just uh, breathe it can help us to breathe yeah yeah it's so true it makes me um think of a couple of things one of them is uh we have this kind of with tommy at the minute you know he's starting to he can't like tell us if he's upset he can't tell us what's up he's starting to use his words a little bit now but it's like he can't express it so you know me and Mel sit down Mel's like is it do you, is your sore tummy you know is it your teeth and she's like she's like babe do you, do you reckon it's this and I'm like um babe I've never had one before so I'm not sure like I've never had a kid before so I've got I'm, I'm as clueless as you and she goes yeah we don't know do we I'm like we don't know Let's just no. let's just sit here and, and do it, you know see what comes up. And it's but that we're going to learn. I mean, we're going to sit in discomfort because we're seeing our child in suffering, which yeah, we don't yeah. want to be doing. But instead of panicking and going to fight, flight, and trying to fix, we're actually just going to sit here and communicate on a level that we're not accustomed to or used to, and we're going to learn. It's this need to know. It's this need to know feeling, isn't it? Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, it's, and that comes from one of those three irrational beliefs. I must be perfect. I must be liked. 
you know people have to if i'm seen to be ignorant people aren't going to like me it's an ego thing that pops up yeah because the thing is look we are all so drastically ignorant it's like not even worth pointing out it's like so what so all i all i'm aware of right now like my consciousness I'm aware of just what's in front of me. <laughs> I'm aware of you on the screen and the the windows and the trees that I can see. So how many other things are happening in the universe right now? But so here's, here's an example. I sent my girlfriend a text message at 7:30 this morning and she hasn't responded yet. So that's source of stimulus in the past would have triggered my mind to go rushing into my imagination and enter this future and down this rabbit hole of all the what ifs and what's going on and worst case scenarios and jumping to conclusions and taking it personally and blah 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 but because I've gotten out of my discomfort and I've learnt and I've challenged and I've gone to the mental gym and I've rewired I can now just sit here in my ignorance and say I have no idea what's going on she will get back to me whenever she's ready to it's not about me it's about it's not about you know there's, there's three beliefs i must be perfect i must get what i want and when i want it and i must be loved those three very toxic immature childish irrational beliefs would have all been triggered in a past version of me with this very tiny little source of stimulus because i'm not getting what i want and when i want it which is a message back immediately i need to know this this answer uh, I'm not being loved she's ignoring me I'm in time out would have been my old way of thinking well that's not true and she's not perfect and I'm not perfect and all of that's okay so what can I control once again put that up against Victor Frankl walking out of Outswitch you know that's all I can control is how I choose to feel but I can only choose how I feel because I've done the work and I've created a capacity to sit in that space between stimulus and response and I can just observe objectively instead of judging and criticizing and condemning and living in panic and fear and anxiety and stress it's a very very different existence yeah but then people I think talking about expanding comfort zones then people need to be comfortable with whatever feeling that brings up because obviously there's you know, like when you start this work early on if you've got those beliefs you know the perfect need to be loved mm. everyone needs to like me then there's going to be really a so strong emotions associated with that so let's say we, the next step is being able to let that go and say i don't know what's going on <laughs> right now for a lot of people there well, will that, be that's some that i am i'm ignorant i'm mediocre and yeah I'm, you're mate um, yeah you're all ignorant you're all incompetent you're all mediocre <laughs> Uh, but, and we all are, as you said, but but it's to a degree, and and that's okay. It's okay to be all three of those things. They're not bad things. We, we've got to get out of this um, um, black and white thinking. It's, it's, it's not good or bad to be ignorant. It's just a literal fact that we are. Yeah, so if there's a lot, if a lot of people perceive that as bad, there'll be an associated feeling, and I would encourage people to get uncomfortable and be and sit in that feeling of not knowing and so you can start to make it get comfortable with that because that's then yours to deal with it reminds me of like uh it's been triggered isn't it and and we we, it's really important for us to shift into seeing being triggered as an opportunity because ah there's there's that there's that weak spot if you (laughs) want to call it that's where i need to do some 
some reps. training. That's where I need to strengthen or let go. So those those reps, off. Nick. Yeah, those, those words. mental reps. That's where I need to get mind. Well, these ones are emotional reps. It's like if you've if you've done the mental rep of saying letting go of those beliefs and just saying now I'm going to sit with me not knowing or me being ignorant. That's great because now it's like you're not triggered by the other person. You're just triggered by your own sense of of not being okay with not knowing. So yeah, then, when you detach from those irrational beliefs, it's going to stop creating those cognitive distortions. It's stop going to bending your mind out of shape, which is then going to stop pushing you into an emotional disturbance or suffering. Of anxiety, I still think people will have an emotional disturbance with not knowing. They will, but the more yeah, so the more you can detach from those beliefs and operate in a more logical, rational belief that we're all incompetent. You know, if if you can sit in acceptance of what is instead of mm-hmm. living in the reality of what you think should, would, or could happen. Initially, you'll still feel those disturbances, but because you, you've cut off the flow to them, they're just going to they're gonna reduce of their own accord. So yeah, it's important to sit there and observe them objectively and go, these are old feelings. This is old wiring. This is old. Mm-hmm. This is old. It's, it's not part of my new normal that's going to come through this. This is the metanoia. It's breaking down. Mm and then rebuilding, and there's going to be a transition process. Which is the comfort zone thing. I think this is beautiful. This is a really good analogy because it's like, you know, yes, because you'll, by being uncomfortable and breaking those beliefs and just sitting with the initial uncomfortableness or disturbance with not knowing, it's awkward, yeah? But then all of a sudden, you'll create a different frame of reference around not knowing for it to being like an opening thing instead of a disturbance thing. Well, it's It's reconditioning. It's reconditioning because if you sit with the awkwardness, if you've held on to a long-term belief that I must be perfect, yeah, which most of us have from birth, it seems to be this human nature, and at the age of 30 or 40 or 50 or whatever, you come into an, an understanding or some knowledge that you are incompetent, you are ignorant, and that you are mediocre because you don't know everything, you can't do everything, and you're not the best at everything. Yeah, so you're going to be able to do some things well, you're going to know some stuff, but if you can sit with that intelligence, when you sit with it long enough, and that that's at the edge of your comfort zone, that's the edge of that harbour, and when you lean into that and when you embrace it, it starts to dissipate, and that's mm. that starts reconditioning you, that's where you're literally reconditioning your systems to let that go, you're processing it, you're absorbing it, you're expunging or expending it yeah yeah this is i think that people's main issue in life is not being able to sit with that awkwardness or uncomfortableness or what's coming up in their body it's just where we we are conditioned to just move away and move away from it so if we're talking about if i if i from a personal point of view if someone says how can i best expand my comfort zone my first bit of advice would be despite anything you're going to do out here to start doing stuff it would be being more comfortable with being uncomfortable and being with the energies in your body without trying to distract yourself or escape or change external world to deal with that. A cool little trick to do is if you're watching on Ryan's YouTube channel, Centre for Healing, jump on, you can actually see us in the podcast. But if you're listening, just clasp your hands together. Has do this with me. So clasp, clasp your... I'll put, I'll put this as a little clip on the, on Instagram as well. Okay. So Unless it goes shitty, palms, then I won't. <laughs> your palms and fingers together and then let your fingers interlock okay and then have a look at which thumb is on top so for me it's my left thumb oh look at this i've got them both equal 
Oh. You're non-dualistic. I, I, but it would be if I was to go with the way my fingers are locking, I would be left yep. on top. Okay. So now simply open back up and slide the fingers across to fit into another slot. And so the right thumb is then on top, mm-hmm. or the opposite thumb. And how does that feel? Just sit with how that feels. Yeah, it's, it's, it's much more uncomfortable than the natural way I do it. Yeah, it's awkward, isn't it? Hmm. So, because we're so stuck in a pattern, our natural habit is to have our left thumb on top for us. So, if we can, a couple of times a day when we're just sitting and doing nothing, you're watching TV or you're having a chat with someone, just grab your hands and start putting them in the opposite place. Get out of your comfort zone, get out of your natural patterning, get out of your natural habits, yep. get out of autopilot, and it's, literally it's going to rewire your brain. Yeah, yeah. I, I do, uh, I haven't done this in a while, but I was doing this for a while. It's like brushing my teeth with my, because I'm left-handed, I brush with my <laughs> right hand. Yeah, just, just for a few days, just get up, because everything, especially that morning routine of like shower, brush your teeth, all that kind of stuff, it's so automatic. Like I've, I've, I've had showers where I've got out and I'm like, I've forgotten whether I've washed the shampoo out of my hair or if I even washed myself because I've just been so off in mind and everything happened on autopilot. And I've been, I've gone out of the shower sometimes. Like, did I? Oh yeah, the shampoo's out of my hair. Like <laughs> so, this this stuff's all just trying to bring conscious awareness to this stuff that we do unconsciously. Yeah, I had a mate in the army. Looking back, I didn't realise how probably woke he was at the time, and he probably didn't even know it. But um, close your ears if you've got sensitive ears, listeners. But he used to masturbate with his right hand usually and so he'd switch it every week to his left hand so he'd alternate weekly just to experience something differently just to change it up (laughs) (laughs) how how woke of him he's he's just what a woke wanker (laughs) (laughs) oh very funny yeah so I encourage people so then we're doing these things that are a little bit uncomfortable and then the next time something happens, be it with your, your partner at work or family member, when someone says something that triggers you emotionally, take a moment, whether you have to finish the conversation and go off, and take a moment to just sit there and just explain really logically what happened. This person said that. And then just sit with that feeling in your body and locate it on your body. Do you feel it in your stomach or your chest? Like what's the emotion? And just really start to be with that. And what you'll do, when we give it our light of attention, you'll notice that it will start to dissipate um, and release. And this is a process of getting more and more comfortable with the energies in our body because all of us just want to suppress those energies or start to throw them and make someone else wrong when the truth is every single reaction that we have emotionally is ours. And we yeah, need to well, own it's so that. Em- it's so empowering to sit there and instead of saying, he made me feel or she made me feel or that made me feel, as soon as you say that made me, that's very disempowering. And it's not true because it's just, as you said, it's your reaction to the stimulus is to become agitated based on the irrational belief that you've got going on on that subconscious level. Yeah. So sitting there and observing it and going, okay, I can feel this agitation rising. I can feel anxiety or stress or discomfort of some level or or feeling stuck or uh, guilty or ashamed or whatever. I'm just going to sit there and observe that and acknowledge that it's there. But I'm going to reverse engineer and go, okay, where's it coming from? Well, I think she should have sent me a text message by now. Okay, should she have? Uh, 
no, it's not a universal law that she should. It's my law. So she's not doing anything wrong. She's just breaking one of my personal laws. Okay, so where's that coming from? Ah, I must get what I want or or it must be perfect or things must happen when I need them to. So that's me being irrational, mm. which is creating that irrational thinking, which is creating that suffering. And so mm. I'm the creator of all of my own suffering. Yes. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. It's just this mind. This mind just gets out of control. It's just... Well, it's you know, not I, trained. This is the thing. People are yeah. walking around with this huge expectation that they should be happy. Yet none of it, hardly anyone, not many people, are doing the work. They're getting out of their comfort zone and going, right, I understand this thing in my head and wherever else it is controls so much of what I do and think and feel. So instead of leaving it unattended to, I might actually do some work with it and, and train it. <laughs> it's a good idea. Well, it reminds me of um, uh, Byron Katie, who I, I think she's fantastic. And um, I always think of Byron Katie as a transsexual because it's like Byron and Katie. Byron's Byron and Katie. Katie. <laughs> yeah, just, she she probably person. identifies as just an infinite being of light, so it wouldn't matter what you called her. Wonderful. Um, but she she would notice these you know compulsions in herself, and she had her at one point I think her daughter was an alcoholic or a drug addict, and she was sitting at home not knowing where she was, and just the mind just. You know, she should be at home. She should be messaging me back. You know, I should go and get her. I need to know where she is. I need to go and get her. And then at the end, she just broke it down. It, it just get really simple. And she just said, lady sitting at home in a chair worried about her daughter. And then just went into the feelings of fear that she had, right? So it's just stopping yeah. this constant fear chatter. And then the funny thing is myself uh, in the Families of Addiction course that I did, we speak about this. And a lot of people don't want to hear it. But, you know, parents have this compulsion to like, I need to make sure they're safe. I need to make sure they're safe. Like, where are you? I'll come and get you. That compulsion to need to know that your son or daughter is safe is the exact same compulsion a drug addict has for their drug. Both people want their system to relax. <laughs> now, people don't want to hear that. Now, this is beautiful when people understand this because they can at least understand the compulsion of the drug addict because they have the same compulsions in them just because they want to know that their son or daughter is safe. So we're always trying to alleviate our suffering. Yeah, we just want to feel safe. Yeah. We want to feel at home. Yeah, because, because what people are doing is working themselves into a heightened state. Yeah. And usually it's anxiety, which is fear. Um, and so then when they've instantly outsourced their happiness I'm only, I can't be happy until I know where my son is I can't be happy until I, I get that next fix I can't be happy until she sends me that text message so we're going to do another podcast in a couple of weeks about accountability but it is if I have a if someone says if you had a superpower what would it be and I, mine would be to help everyone understand that we all have to take responsibility for our happiness instead of outsourcing it to things that we can't control, the people that don't care about our happiness, to all these things that are in constant change and flux and ebb and flow. And yeah, it's, it's just, it's, there's so much unnecessary suffering out there. There is, there is. Let's talk about a uh, few things that maybe we've done in the past. Uh, to to get outside our comfort zone because uh, a lot we've spoken about now is people that are in you know 
some significant suffering. Let's talk about for people who are just trying to push those edges out a little bit more. Things might be going okay in their life, you know, they're doing doing pretty well, but they do want to expand their comfort zone. Um, I, I always do like the analogy because people think that, you know, they can't expand their comfort zone and they're just naturally um, meant to keep things small and can't do things. And it's like, I think expanding our comfort zone is us getting used to greater and greater energy. It's us just pushing the boundaries of what we can take energetically until that new energy becomes the norm. And it's like, if you don't think that you're brave or can do things, you can do the thought experiment. I think Michael Singer talks about this, is that imagine that you're in the car and just think of like the most courageous person you can think of throughout history. Like think about like, I don't know, Alexander the Great or Genghis Khan or Joan of Arc or whoever comes to mind for just the bravest person, right? And you would never compare yourself to being as brave as them. And then imagine that you're cruising down the Monash Freeway at 100 k's an hour and poof, they appear in the passenger seat next to you, right? They're in like fucking whoever, Genghis Khan's in the, in the passenger seat next to you and you're driving. How would they be? Okay, they would be freaking the fuck out. They would be like, what is this machine? What are we doing? How fast are we going? You're sitting there driving the car, you know, you're probably talking to someone on the phone, you're doing your makeup, you're changing lanes. They would think you are the most enlightened, courageous, brave human beings in the entire world. And they'd be like, is this safe? Like, do people die doing this? And you'd be like, yeah, people die every day doing this. And they'd be like, oh my God, you are just a God in my eyes, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Why? Because you just gotten used to that energy. And we just think that driving down the freeway at 100Ks is nothing. But to someone throughout history who wasn't used to that energy, that would be so far outside their comfort zone, they would want to get out immediately. So Nick, what, what's something that you've done to, to get outside guess, the comfort zone? As you're doing that, you know, we all, we all insert ourselves into stories when someone else is speaking. So I was thinking, who would mine be? And I was like, Buddha. Would, would be the most bravest person Ooh, I can think of. How would Buddha go? Well, he'd just sit there and observe, and he'd accept that this is what it is, and he'd just he'd just be in the moment of what's you don't, happening. Oh, you don't know that. Yeah, dude, he's a pretty enlightened motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> he was, but you put him in that thing. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm pretty confident that he that he'd be chill. He'd be chill. Um, something. Uh, there's lots. Uh, what? opened me up what freed me i guess is you know we talk about metanoia and breaking down these old beliefs and that foundation that wasn't working for me in the past when i rebuilt myself i had to I consciously chose to put a few certain beliefs in place some new core beliefs and one of them was that i do my best work outside of my comfort zone and so operating off that on a subconscious level, just sort of, you know, Richard Branson, if someone asks you something, you say yes and then figure it out later. Yep. You know, it's, so it's that um, I don't know how to do it, but I'm going to learn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in the deep end. I'm gonna, and essentially what it comes down to is trusting yourself. Because mm. if you sail out of that harbour, you've gone from pretty shallow water, pretty safe water, with other people around you're suddenly on the high seas you're at the mercy of the wind and the rain and the, the, the tides and you know sharks and all that sort of shit so you really have to trust in yourself to leave that comfort zone so that's probably the first thing you need to equip yourself with this self-belief this self-trust instead of living in fear and white knuckling and oh god and wishing wanting hoping that i'm going to come out of this okay you know hiding below deck 
you've got to stand up behind the helm and bring this shit on you know but i'm going to trust that i'm going to work my way through this so that was a big leap of faith for me is learning to trust myself and it was just a decision it wasn't something i had to practice it was just this very deep decision that i made a commitment to the future me really to to trust myself and that just opened up everything what what happened next was i i remember the day i did this i handed myself over to the universe so i fully surrendered to everything and i went i cannot control bugger all and i'm going to stop trying and just live in flow instead of living in force and so now i just listen to things so you know i've gone from not being able to leave my house in mornington victoria to working at the world luxury world leading luxury health resort in thailand now i didn't chase that and try for that but it just so happened that you know there was this series of events and if i didn't trust myself if i had a cocked block myself at every step i wouldn't have been there because if i if i had this belief that no i can't do it or it's too hard or who am i to work at this resort so i had to i had to first liberate my mind of all of those unhelpful attachments to free myself up to go sure i'll apply i'll send them email i'll go and visit them i'll just see what happens so step by step by step it was just let's see what happens so it's sort of like working with the universe i'm meeting the universe halfway i'll apply and then the rest is out of my mm-hmm. control so at the moment i'm just about to expand mindfit and i'm looking at renting another building and creating this hub this mental health gym uh, on the mornington peninsula where people can come and do meditative exercise um, and and cognitive retraining and it's going to take a leap of faith you know it's it's more commitment it's more money it's it's right out of my comfort zone i've never done it before so i'm sitting here going through this process like checking in with myself how am i feeling about this yeah a bit nervous all right there's a bit of tightness my voice just went up all right that's me tightening up all right relax trust feel your way into it do what you can do um but sort of go with your gut instinct as well so yeah for me it's just every day is sort of getting out of my comfort zone every day is is uh just a little bit more and my mind has expanded to the point where i'm comfortable with so much now where that past version of me was only comfortable in my land room at home yeah you said something really interesting it's um it was so interesting that i can't remember it um i hope so it was uh, ah what was the point It, it was basically that like you've been doing this for years you've made a decision years ago that you do your best work outside your comfort zone so you've been actively you know pushing those boundaries and getting comfortable with more and more but people tend to say if i've got an urge to go and do something but then i'm like i have this fear and this uncomfortableness because it is outside my comfort zone and then i see other people doing it and i make the assumption that it's been easy for them i make the assumption that for them it's it's just been it's been fine looking at a bodybuilder and go, oh, you look at the end result and you don't realize what went into that. That's right. And it's just whenever we get outside our comfort zone, it's uncomfortable for everyone all the time. So if that that, that 
belief that for other people it's been easy tends to hold people back from going outside their comfort zone. So I think it's really important for people to hear you, something someone who's been embodying this for years and doing it for years, saying this new project, it's bringing up those nerves and those constrictions in me that I have to sit with and work through and then still take action regardless. Totally. But then I'll look at Catherine Ingram and Ram Das and, and all these, you know, Alan Watson, all these extremely woke people, um, the Dalai Lama, Eckhart Tolle, you look at all these people, Don Miguel, um, and I don't compare myself to them. Anyway, in the past, I would look at them. It's called Oprah Winfrey Syndrome. So many people go and watch Oprah and go, oh my God, Oprah's amazing. I could never be like Oprah. She's amazing. They put her up on a pedestal. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, as soon as you put them up on a pedestal, you're never going to achieve that. You've created a heap of limiting beliefs. You've stuck a big glass ceiling on the on your head and you've retarded, in a very literal sense, your growth. Mm. So I just realise that I'm on a path and um, you know, a decade down the track, the clients that I'm working with are just coming onto that path. But then I'm still a student when I look at people further ahead of me. And, but I don't go, oh, I wish I was them or blah, blah, blah. I just really admire what they've done. And I just, I don't focus on them. I focus on me, but I try and constantly learn from them. And imagine what it took to get from being unable to leave your house to where I am now, like the getting out of the comfort zone, going and doing a 10 day silent retreat, you know, meditation retreat, sitting in stillness for many hours a day, just observing the sensations in your body. Imagine, yeah, everything that I had to do internally and what I had to change and shift and break and grow. It's like literally the caterpillar into the butterfly. And that took a fucking lot of discomfort. And I guess that's what really qualifies me to do what I'm doing now. Well, because you can only meet someone as far as you've met yourself. And people who are coming in to see you are uh, uncomfortable with their life <laughs> and what's going on internally. So it's like it's you don't want to. It's like I've probably said this before. It's like I don't want to go and get financial advice over someone who got an inheritance and has been rich forever, or I don't want to, <laughs> or I don't want to go take health advice from. You know, if I'm overweight, I don't want to see someone who's been thin and ripped forever. I want to know someone who's been broke and made money, or been fat as fuck and then got in shape. You know, that's what I want to know. I, I had a client say to me a couple of weeks ago at the end of his program, he's this 72-year-old guy and he's been in proper development and business for many, many years, and he, he goes, Nick, are you qualified to do what you do? Because I don't hang up. You know, any of my uh, certificates or anything like that and I laughed I was like yeah mate I am why it's like because the the people in my life that are the best at what they do aren't technically qualified at it so he said my accountant is the best accountant you'll ever meet but he's not an accountant so he's the head of his accounting firm he's got accountants working for him but he's not technically accountant mm -hmm. he said the best architect I ever know who builds the most amazing homes isn't classically trained as an architect and isn't qualified as an architect but is amazing at designing homes and he said you're the same because I've seen he goes I'm 72 I've had that many psychologists and psychiatrists and shrinks and head doctors and they've all had these doctors and diplomas and everything spread across their walls and said I come in here to your office and you've got some dead plant hanging off your wall uh, <laughs> and it's like but you in 12 weeks have helped me to grow and shift and change more than any of them 
and he said it's just what he realised is that they haven't done the work on themselves they haven't walked the path mm. yeah yeah and we pick up on that and it's not everyone but oftentimes those certificates can be handcuffs in a certain way golden handcuffs yeah, um, yeah there's something else I want to talk about because this whole thing like it's I don't want to get out of my comfort zone because I don't want to be uncomfortable and I don't want to be good at uh, not good at something and we just want to be good and that comes from this belief you speak about of, of not wanting to be or needing to be perfect and I think this is a belief that I've probably yet to meet someone who hasn't got it that, that it needs to be broken down and That's I think I it's call it human nature hmm. but what we don't do and we've spoken about this before is we, we don't have that stepping into manhood anymore you know that you're 15 we don't have to go and do that what initiation um that rites of passage used to do yeah that rite of passage where i would love it for when we're walking out of year 12 or even primary school for someone to pull us up and go right you've got these three beliefs you must be loved you must be perfect you must get everyone up they're all irrational. They've worked for you as a kid. You've had your tantrums and your hissy fits and throwing the toys out of the pram and everything. But you're going into the the real world now. You're going into life. So here's some new beliefs. You are irrational. You are incompetent. You're mediocre. You're ignorant. Okay? You're not perfect. Um, but you are loved. And you are loved first and foremost by yourself. Okay? And every day you're going to be the best you can be in that moment. And that's okay. All right? And sometimes you're going to know stuff. Sometimes you're going to not know stuff. And that's okay too. So off you go. Have a happy life. Mm. We don't do yeah. that. We don't stop mm. and go through this maturity process of breaking down these old outdated beliefs for some yeah. reason. Well, because it's very hard to... Uh yeah, well, that, our rites of passage now are drinking with our mates when we're teenagers, and we're not yeah. learning a lot there. <laughs> but, shoot some kangaroos. <laughs> and um, we're running a bit late on time, but I just want to touch on this. It's like I think this needing to be perfect is we learn we learn good or good from bad or right from wrong at a young age, and it's like we, we we learn once we can start to talk and communicate, and we can start to understand our parents. We we, we all of a sudden say. I get rewarded for being good and I get punished for being bad. And then the first time that I go to do something, which I, in my mind, it's just me expressing myself. Right? There's no good or bad. I'm just expressing. And I get told, no, no, that's bad. Then all of a sudden I go, oh, so me just expressing myself as I should gets punished. So now that starts this process of altering behavior. So instead of just expressing myself and being human, I'm trying to do things that are good to get rewarded and do things and avoid doing things that are bad and I'll get punished and it's, it's like in accordance with somebody else's belief system in accordance with someone else's belief system so now I'm just I'm, I'm now altering my natural instincts and this is the the beautiful this is the fall from the garden this is the why Adam and Eve is such a beautiful metaphor it's like everything was perfect and there was no judgment or anything in the garden until they tasted the uh, fruit from the tree of knowledge and learnt good from evil and then all of a sudden that's when Adam I think it was God was like, Adam, where are you? I can't find you. And he said, I'm hiding. He said, why are you hiding, Adam? It's because I'm naked. So he started judging himself. And this is the, the birth of good and evil, right and wrong. And I think it's a beautiful analogy for us, always thinking that we need to be perfect when we already are. I, I had a, I, that's pretty poignant. I'll be quick with it. But I had a client this morning, came in, and she's what, week four of a program. And we just landed on something really succinct today that she beats herself up. And 
I reflected to her and she had no awareness that she was really doing it so much and all of a sudden she had a really important and emotional reaction to it she was really crying and I just let her cry for a while and then I just inquired as to what she was experiencing and she said I just realized how frustrated I am with constantly beating myself up that's that self-flagellation that was it's a full it's a full-time job it doesn't fucking stop but she said but what we learned what I said I said to her half jokingly but half serious do you have you had a catholic upbringing because there's a every one of my clients who has had a catholic upbringing is into this self-flagellation and she said, no, but I'm, I'm from, I'm third generation Italian. Um, so, and she said, we have a history of, we must be perfect. And her mum was very critical. Um, and because I said to her, where did you learn this? Where did you learn to beat yourself up? Where did you learn that just because you do this, it means you're not perfect and you have to be perfect? Because that, that's, that's, that's an acquired pattern. And she's like, oh, yeah, my mum. And I said, okay, we're not going to sit here and judge because your mum would have learnt it from someone else. She goes, yeah, my grandma. I said, all right, so all of a sudden this emotional family heirloom has been handed down from generation to generation. And I said, what happened to you in your childhood on your mum's isn't your fault, but it is your responsibility to break that chain and to break that cycle. So, you know, and she had a laugh when I said, adulthood is just undoing everything that happens to us in childhood. You know, it's, it's that unconditioning, deconditioning, mm. getting rid of stepping out of mum and dad's beliefs and stepping into your own authenticity. Yeah, so true. De-hypnotising. De- <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right, mate, that we'll wrap fun. it up there. That was fun. That flew that by fun. that wait one. Till, wait, wait till we get into accountability. Oh, oh. That's going to be good. Yeah, that'll be fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Follow us on Instagram. Shoot us some DMs, any questions. Give us a rating and review, please. Ratings and reviews really, really help us get the word out. We do have some guests coming up. Um, We've even got Gussie Warland coming up, which is a radio presenter from Sydney, I think, in in two weeks. Um, That's really exciting, and we'll be able to get more um, great guests, woke guests, people doing great work. Eckhart Toll, maybe he was on Russell Brand's podcast last week, so we might get Eckhart on. <laughs> hey, if anyone wants to hear us interview someone, send them in. Send in some guest requests. Yeah, yeah, yeah we'll be happy to. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you, Nico. Yeah, Nico, you you thanks, sign mate. us off because you welcomed us. Oh, no. I did. Um, thanks, Ryan. I hope you have a, a wonderful time in Thailand with the fam. Um, whatever you're doing, everyone out there. Thanks for listening and peace. Peace. Thank you for tuning into the Woke Blokes podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe to the show. Also, leave us a five star rating. We thank you so much, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs>